0: For, 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 for life. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Under the Radar. My name is Brandon Tanguma, and yes, Under the Radar is back. You know, little special sporadic appearances we'll be doing every now and then when, you know, maybe something pops up midweek after the bullet cast or something i know we're probably not going to talk about but originally this was just supposed to be i come on i pre or i review wrestle kingdom 17 but at the very end of the bullet we had some very big late breaking news as vince mcmahon announced that he is coming out of retirement and stepping back into the wwe board of directors and you can hear our my at least my initial reaction when Brian broke us the news and wrote or read the uh, Fightful article. um, I To be honest, when he first said it, I didn't really know what he was talking about. I just kind of assumed he was like just back and going to run everything and he was going to take over control and blah, 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 blah. So I, initially, that's what I thought. But now a few days have passed and kind of the dust has settles and settled and we kind of know exactly what's going on. So Thursday, he announces that he's coming back. Then Friday, he, uh, George Wilson and Michelle Berrios, who were the kind of like his two right hand people, uh, pre-Nick Con. So, and then he fired them, and then now they're back, which is you know a weird kind of dynamic in and of itself. But uh, they come back. So that is three new board of directors on the board. Give those, give three people the boot, and then two other people step down. Once Vince came back and sorry, those were the two people that I believe did the investigation into his uh, sexual misconduct allegations. So a lot of moving pieces. And when Vince first announced and and this is kind of where I because Brian was like reading a whole bunch of stuff and I wasn't able to kind of keep up exactly what he was saying. But from what it seems right now is Vince is coming back strictly to be on the board. No creative, no. You know, on-screen type of powers, it, he, at least that's what he says. His main purpose for coming back is to negotiate new television rights deals, which are coming up at the end of the year, and the possibility of a WWE sale. And he was still, when he retired, he was still the majority shareholder of the company. So no matter what happened, Vince still had voting power, and he could do whatever he wants. It still had to run through him. And he kind of wielded that power and was like, look, if there is a sale or whatever, I'm not going to vote on it unless I am a part of the negotiations. And that's exactly what he's saying right now. And he comes. So at first glance, I thought this was going to be a big old power play. It still definitely is a big power play. But at first, right now, as we stand, it's only a Business decision. It's only Vince trying to do the negotiations. And I mean, I I understand where he's coming from. He's the one that started the company, at least, you know, this form of the company and WWF and the WWE from his uh, father. And if there is going to be a sale, I think that is kind of the obviously like the last thing that he wants to do is kind of close that chapter and kind of be a part of it. But also, if he is a part of the negotiations, does those does the people who are he's talking to, whether that be an NBC Universal, Amazon, Disney, I don't know Google, YouTube, what, whatever big conglomerate entity WW were to go to, is that contingent on Vince also holding power? So is that also why he wanted to come back into power right now on be on the board of directors is for him to, you know, institute a sale, to where the company he's negotiating with that deal is also predicated on him holding power and possibly gaining a little bit more power as they transition into whatever new company WWE would be under. So that is also kind of a, a little nuanced thing of exactly what is going on in Vince's head. And also with the sexual assault allegations still looming. I mean, I, even when he retired, I always, I always, Thought that Vince kind of brushed these brushed these allegations to the side and didn't think of him as that big of a deal. I mean, even you know, a couple months, couple what four, three months into the suspension or retirement. Sorry that he thought that oh he can come back and I, I mean it's Vince. He thinks he can do whatever he wants, and so when he announced that he's coming back, it did not surprise me. But also that also brings the allegations back to the forefront, and will there be? More allegations, whether it be more spotlight, more whatever you want to say to kind of tarnish Vince McMahon's reputation. And then does that also tarnish the possible sale of the company? Like if Vince wants to hold power and these companies look at him as like, okay, he's kind of damaged goods, does that bring the value down? Unless Vince was just in the background, kind of a, you know, still majority shareholder, but he's going to do whatever. You know Vince or whatever Stephanie, Hunter, and Nick Khan want to do, and he just is going to vote on that. And Vince isn't a part of the negotiations. He isn't going to be a part of the company going forward. Does that drive up the value of the company just because of it's less of a headache and whatever? But then these companies traditionally are not going to be wrestling people, and so if they see WWE, they think of Vince McMahon. And so if Vince were to be a part of it, I think they would probably have more trust in him, even though you know us in the kind of the wrestling sphere understand that maybe Vince's time has passed and he should pass on the power to somebody else younger and kind of more in the know and more aware of what works in wrestling not just as a stubborn old man who wants to do whatever the hell he wants to do so that's just my my thoughts on it. I for sure we're going to talk about it in a couple days on the bullet cast but that was just my thoughts so then you know the other the other people could uh share theirs and i could just kind of step aside and point to this lovely podcast here under the radar so as i said originally this was supposed to be a wrestle kingdom uh, review so let's jump on into the wrestle kingdom review wrestle kingdom 17 on january 4th 2023 this is the first one well technically this is a two-night uh, Wrestle Kingdom as we're going to get uh, night two on January 21st. That's the New Japan NOAA uh, combined show. But for the sake of just simplicity, this is a one night Wrestle Kingdom for the first time in a few years, and I, I I very much enjoyed the show. I thought it was a good show. Wasn't like the best New Japan show of all time, but the hype did get to me. I was waiting. I was going to wait a while to watch it, but then I just kind of broke down, uh, ordered New Japan World, watched it the next day on Wednesday, and I kind of felt like this was a big show for New Japan because after, you know, kind of right into the pandemic and during the pandemic, New Japan, I thought, took a very big hit. A lot of, you know, the elite left, even going back further with like AJ Styles and all those people, the New Japan product as a whole, like not even just like, you know, the, the Gaijin wrestlers weren't exactly clicking it wasn't on the level that they were back in whatever you know 2017 2018 but coming into the show i thought they were kind of hitting their stride back in the tokyo dome fans were able to vocally cheer again which was a big deal because if you didn't know over in japan uh, the pandemic restrictions are stricter than what they're over here and with the crowds even though there were crowds they could only clap you couldn't audibly you know yell do chants anything like that so Adding voice, you know, adding voice to the crowd, um, definitely helped the show. Now, 26,000 people were in attendance in the Tokyo Dome. It could hold like up to fifty thousand, so not obviously not a complete sellout. New Wrestle Kingdoms don't typically get that big in terms of fifty thousand. They're normally around like thirty 000 to forty thousand on like the really good show. So, twenty five still, you know, in the back end of a pandemic with Japan very much having stricter restrictions. Compared to other countries, still a really good show, or good attendance and a good atmosphere for a Tokyo Dome show. So let's just kick off with the, uh, you know, instead of starting from the beginning, let's start at the end because this was billed as a double main event. And uh, three out of the four were uh, Gaijin wrestlers. The first of the double main event was. Will Ospreay defending his IWGP United States Championship against Kenny Omega. And this was uh, very much a a hyped match. Kenny Omega coming back to New Japan for the first time since joining AEW, I believe. So it's been a few years. And Kenny uh, comes out, and I thought he kind of just picked up right where he left off. Obviously, you know, a little older, dealing with injuries this past few years. He wasn't the same Kenny Omega of... The the prime feud with Okada all those years ago, but still you could see when Kenny is motivated, he wants to put on a show. He wants to have a really good match. He still can do it, which is really nice to see because so far in AEW since coming back, he's been in the trios matches and even kind of at the back end of his uh title reign, which he was injured. And so he's, you know, after he came back doing the trio stuff, he, this is supposed to be a healthy Kenny Omega and he definitely looked healthy. He looked good. And Will Ospreay, I mean, he continues to be one of the best, if not the best, in-ring wrestler in the world right now. And this match was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, at the end, it goes 34 minutes, 38 seconds, longest match on the card. And Kenny successfully wins the title. So it looks as though Kenny will be staying with New Japan and doing some more matches in the future. Um, I mean, I... I I don't know what you can say about this match. I mean, it was great, a uh, hard hitting. Um, Will gets uh, busted open. Kenny, I think he had some, some blood as well, but um, you know, some outside interference stuff with the uh, United air Empire and Don Callis was on commentary. So it was always, it's fun to see Don Callis and Kevin Kelly get back together in the booth and talk. Um, but I mean, if you haven't seen this match, definitely go out of your way to see it. I think it was the uh, best match of the night. And that, It was a good show overall, but this match really did kind of stand out above the rest and it was just really hard-hitting. Osprey, I thought they told a a really good story because, you know, Osprey is kind of the new Kenny Omega, the new top Gaijin wrestler, or at least, you know, the super wrestler over there in Japan. And uh, Kenny just kind of, you know, nonchalantly nonchalantly flowers and they go back and forth. And um, at the end, uh, Osprey is just kind of just sitting there. They kind of like have a moment you know no real embrace no real passing the torch which is kind of the big um theme of the match of osprey um if kenny's not going to give it to him he's just going to take it and kenny did not pass him the torch um uh, kenny winning the title means he's going to be sticking around and uh, later on we did have uh kenny have a tag team match with okada which was fun to see gave a little bit of a glance spoiler alert at uh, okada's uh, iwg world heavy championship so maybe We're going to get Okada and Kenny to run it back, but um, I thought this match was absolutely fantastic. And uh, Will Ospreay continues to uh, be great. Um, I mean, Ospreay has been a heel so far in in New Japan these past few months or, you know, year or two, kind of beginning in 2020, I think. I can't remember exactly, but um, he kind of didn't full fledged turn babyface, but you can kind of see. The start of that. And I always think that Osprey works much better as a babyface. Like, yeah, he has his like antics online and sometimes he doesn't carry himself the best, but I think his best in ring work is as a babyface. I think his selling is phenomenal. His comeback, his fire up is phenomenal. And hopefully, this is kind of the turn for him to be that like top babyface wrestler in New Japan. You know, he was on the come up as a babyface. And then he kind of right when he gets like that top level, he wins the title. He was a heel. So now maybe we can see the, you know, flip it around. And now he can be a uh, a face and a top wrestler in New, uh, New Japan. Then in the main event, Kazuchika, Kazuchika Okada challenges Jay White for the IWGP World Heavyweight title. Uh, this one goes 3303, so slightly shorter than the uh, penultimate match, but still a, uh, a long match. And I mean, you, you've seen this match before. They still delivered, still a great match. Um, Okada wins the title again, which you could say is just rehashing things. We've seen a bunch of times, but it still works. Okada is still super over, still a great wrestler, still a great character, great lead guy for New Japan. And Jay White, I mean, if you haven't heard me say it before, when he came into New Japan first as a switchblade, he's uh, coming off of Excursion. He didn't kind of fit the persona. He kind of felt like he was, you know, a young insecure guy just kind of thrown into this character and just kind of projecting the switchblade character. But I think as time's gone on, he's definitely, uh, you know, come into his own. He's played the role phenomenal, phenomenally. And, you know, being the world champion at a wrestle kingdom at a Tokyo dome show is a big deal for any wrestler and shout out Jay white for, for coming this far. And unfortunately he did lose, but it was still a, a wonderful match more in ring you know technical wrestling than um then the omega and osprey match uh there was you know it was more just they wrestle in the ring having a standard match that you would see them wrestle in any other show uh, you know gato gets involved a little bit but uh no real antics i believe in the bullet club that i can recall so they just you know went out there wrestled had a had a great 30 30- three minute match and uh, Jay White, you know, kind of similar at the end, Jay White loses and they, Jay White and Okada are just kind of there. White's trying to get up. He's like crawling up Okada's leg. And um, it kind of looked like they were talking about something. I don't know what it was, you know, maybe just in a personal way, just maybe saying good job. And they had a little moment there, but maybe in storyline, maybe Jay White is kind of coming around to Okada. Maybe he, you know is kind of capitulating and saying that look you are the better you are the better man i don't know but uh, moving on into uh new year's dash J. White challenges um not uh, was it uh, tongaloa did he, uh, he he challenged i think it was tongaloa i'm not 100 sure but um a loser leaves new japan a, lo- a loser leaves japan match and who knows exactly what's going on there rumors speculating maybe jay white's gonna lose and he's gonna leave possibly to aw or wwe now if he does want to come over into the united states and wrestle for whether it's wwe or aw i think either one of those companies would love to have him as i said i think he's a phenomenal talent you know maybe a little bit undersized as a heel in wwe but he's i mean seth rollins i would say i don't know um you know, size by size, you know, standing next to each other. But I would say he's about the same size as Seth Rollins. And Rollins has done great in his career, even though maybe coming in, they thought he would be undersized. But uh, Jay White's great, and I don't know what's next for him. But whatever it is, I assume it is going to be fantastic. Uh, So working our way back, going in the pre-show, nothing really too much to say um, happened in the pre-show. There was a a three-minute exhibition match between – I am not even going to try to say these names, but a a New Japan kind of young, young boy, you know, younger new oncomer against Oleg Bolton, which is a uh, a famed amateur wrestler. They just went out there grappled for three minutes. It was a lot of fun. Like it was only three minutes, but it was fun while it lasted. Then we had the uh, new the uh, KOPW uh, New Year's or whatever the New Japan Rumble uh, last three competitors. End up facing off for the KOPW championship. Great Shingo Takagi, and Toriyano advance. So, yeah, it was it was what it was. And then we get the Antonio Inoki Memorial six man tag. Uh, it was you know kind of an old timers match, but it was it was fun. You know, only nine minutes, but uh, to kick off the show, they did air a Antonio Inoki Memorial, which was nice to see. And then they just run down the card. Uh, opening match with IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles as a TJP and Francisco Akira. Uh, defeat Leo Rush and Yo. Uh, only goes ten minutes twenty nine seconds, but a typical opening IWGP Junior Tag Title match. Um, you know, Shadow Leo Rush. He's just been everywhere. Uh, if you've seen him, he got busted open pretty badly, so he's gonna be on the sidelines for a little bit. But um, just a good, athletic, crisp match. You know, a little mess, little hiccups here and there, but uh, just a, a really good opening match, and then. Uh, then we get the IWGP Women's Championship as Kyrie takes on Tom Nakano. Uh, only goes five minutes and 56 seconds. Kind of disappointing that the, the women weren't given too much time. But also, on the other hand, they had 12 or, what, nine matches on the main card. And if you give this match a couple extra minutes, then maybe give a couple of, you know, some other matches a couple extra minutes. Then time adds up and we're here for, it's like an AEW show. We're here for like six hours. So, um, you know, it sucks that... Uh, the women weren't exactly given what I thought they could, you know, if they were given just 10 minutes, like just given the same amount of time as the tag team match, I think they could have um, maybe even outperformed the tag team match, but uh, Kyrie gets the win, hits the elbow. The crowd was a little silent for, for this one. And then Mercedes Monet makes her debut, talked about it uh, on the bullet cast. And yeah, it wasn't the best debut to be honest for her, but um. She is going to wrestle Kyrie at the San Jose show coming up in a month. And I will be going. The Bullet Cast boys will be in attendance and baby Huey will be there. Unfortunately, Katie won't be there. But, um, you know, just like a bunch of other people around here, they saw that Mercedes was going to be there. Swipe up tickets. And before you know it, the event has sold out. I don't know what the official number was before uh, Mercedes was confirmed for the show, but it was a bunch. Like there was a lot of tickets, almost. I don't want to say the entire upper deck wasn't sold, but there was a lot of tickets still left. And then within a week, less than a week, we stand here and that show sold out basically off of her back. Now, you know, you you can make whatever narrative you want because it's a smaller venue. It's not like she sold at a 10,000 seat arena. It's not like the CM Punk stuff, but New Japan has been colder recently. Wrestle Kingdom was a really good show. And then you add on top, of you know sasha banks mercedes monet having her first who knows we'll talk about that a little bit later in the aw dynamite preview but possibly her first match back in wrestling since leaving wwe i mean that's going to move numbers so uh, good for her crowd wasn't too into it now it's a little you know japanese crowd you know not going to be super duper vocal all the time but when they are vocal like it's fantastic and you know a women's match on a new japan card in the tokyo dome it's a relatively new uh division for new japan but i think the iwgp women's title was mainly kind of for the international audience so you know because they have a lot of these women are gonna be from stardom if not all of them so you know the they in Japan, they're going to wrestle for stardom and then kind of outside the US or outside Japan, they're going to wrestle for you know, they'll wrestle for New Japan. Um, but we'll, we'll find out. I mean, Kyrie and Sasha, uh, Mercedes wrestling for that title. Um, two former WWE wrestlers going at it. I, it should be a really fun match. Hopefully, they're given much more than five minutes and 56 seconds. I believe they will. Uh, I think they'll main event unless they pull out some, you know, unless Kenny Omega. And unless Kenny Omega is defending the U.S. title, I wonder what the main event match is going to be for that. But I wouldn't be shocked if it is the women who made event. Then we get the heavyweight tag team titles with FTR uh, losing, unfortunately, to Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. So in a matter of three weeks, FTR loses the AAA, ROH, and IWGP tag team titles. So they are not the belt collectors anymore. Uh, solid match. Once again, a lot of these matches were kept short, which was good, but also you could have seen them do a little bit better. But uh, I think FTR, um, as I said in the, in the casties, I think they should have been 2022 Tag Team uh, of the Year. Um, and so, you know, heading to 2023, now they've hit the reset button a little bit of losing all their titles, and I wonder where they're going to go. Feuding with the guns in AEW might not be the best um, thing in the world, just because the guns aren't a you know, a main event tag team act, but FTR finally getting like a storyline proper on television is a a good start. But I I mean, I don't know, Uh, you know, speculation that FTR and Tony might, might not be Tony Khan's favorite tag team right now, you know, possibly some issues with the young bucks and I'm maybe FTR goes back to WWE, but also going back, circling back to the Vince McMahon stuff. Like if Vince is back in power, then that seeps back into the day-to-day the creative and booking stuff. Then now a lot of people who left WWE and who wanted to come back because Triple H is Booker. Now if Vince has his grubby little hands and everything, how is that going to pan out? And I feel so bad for William Regal. You know, he le- he joins AEW after getting fired. Then he comes back to WWE because Triple H is his boy. And then like right after that happens, then Vince McMahon comes back. I I feel bad for Regal, but you know that's just that just happens when you have a, a crazy lunatic sociopath as you know the owner of the company but anyways uh zach saber jr uh, takes on Narita for the NJ- njpw world television title uh, only 15 minute uh tv time limit uh on these matches but uh, zach saber jr gets the win so he is the inaugural uh new japan tv champion so another championship in new japan you just love to see it uh they kind of spec uh kind of touted this as kind of the up-and-comers belt. So I thought possibly Ren Narito was going to win, but uh, Zach wins via submission. So possibly giving a little star power to it, to the uh, title, give it some legitimacy before you transition it to possibly to Ren or, um, you know, another kind of young boy and, you know, another wrestler kind of on the come up, but uh, really, really solid match, you know, a Zach Sabre Jr. Style match can be technical, a lot of submissions, a lot of grappling and stuff like that. So I, I very much enjoyed it. Then, uh, the finish we all saw coming Tomatonga Tonga defeats Carl Anderson for the never open way championship. Uh, this one goes 90 minutes, 30 seconds. Uh, I mean, it was fine. Uh, they kind of botched the finish with Toma hitting the, uh, uh, supposed to be a gun stun, but, uh, Anderson kind of bumped before he was supposed to, or they didn't get a good grip on it. I don't know exactly what happened, but Toma gets the win. You know, it was fine. We, we saw this coming from a mile away, just a, a nice little cherry on top with, you know, AW, carline you know aw wwe wrestlers and then you know mercedes sasha banks making her debut so kind of a nice little the real forbidden door show if uh you want to say that then uh, six-man tag team match this was the uh, Keiji Mudo's kind of final match it, well it was his final match in uh, New Japan uh, Keiji Mudo Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shota Umino defeat Los Ingo Monobiles de Japón uh, Naito Sonata and Ibushi this one only goes 920 but it was fun while it lasted you know Keiji Mudo gets in there you know has a has a you know, wrestles Naito a little bit wrestles Sonata I think uh, best part of the match was Mudo faking or you know Saying he's gonna attempt the moon salt, and then Tanahashi kind of talks him off the ledge. Which I mean, there's no way in hell Kishimoto is gonna hit that moon salt. But uh, let the imagination run wild, and uh, it was fun. Uh, ultimately, uh, Umino Shooter, I think, gets the win. I have, was it over Bushi. I I probably was Bushi, just because that makes sense. But um, I good for Shooter. Good for a show to Umino. You know, kind of uh, John Moxley's right hand man back when Moxley was running rampant in New Japan. So uh, nice to see him kind of get his uh, acclaim and he's kind of coming to his own. He's not really a young boy anymore. He's almost kind of like uh Tanahashi light with the, the bright colors, long flowing hair. So maybe, you know, Shota Umino, he can uh, piggyback off this and maybe have a, a really successful 2023 and could maybe be in the casties for a uh, breakout star of the re- breakout star of the year. Who knows? Who knows? Um then kind of the final match to talk about is the Four Way IW, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title with uh Taiji Ishimori defending against Roman Takahashi El Desperado and Master Wado. This one goes 1643 so the third longest match so or well, outside of the New Japan rebel in the pre-show but um just as what you would think of an IWGP Junior Title. You know, Hiromu doing his thing. Hiromu ends up getting the win and um once again becomes junior heavyweight champion. You know, Master Wado kind of is the the odd man out in this one. You know, they've done a, a decent job of kind of building him up after he was kind of brought in as a joke. But you know, adding him into this junior title match kind of brings it down a little bit. He's still like a font and okay wrestler, but um not exactly on the level of like Takahashi and Ishimori and then desp and despi. So, you know, overall, you know, solid match, kind of the you know the warm up, the final match before the two main events. So they weren't out there to steal the show, but there definitely were some memorable moments in there. But uh, yeah, overall, as I said, fantastic show. Um, maybe not the top top tier of Wrestle Kingdom shows. There wasn't like the you know possibly greatest match of all time. But Kenny Omega and Ospreay was great. Okada and JY was great. There really wasn't like a bad match on the show. I probably would say like the low light. Probably would be Tomatonga and Carl Anderson just because of the nature of it. You knew Anderson was dropping it and they kind of, you know, botched the finish. Besides that, I think all the matches delivered. Um, none of them overstayed their welcome. You know, maybe you could shave a little bit off those top two batches just because sometimes those New Japan matches go over a half hour. There's some stalling and kind of, you know, overindulge, but they didn't go past 45, which I think was something that was. Really hurting New Japan matches, you know, during the pandemic era where they were just having long matches for the sake of having long matches. But these ones deserve the the long match length. And uh, yeah, overall great show. If you haven't, go check it out. You can watch it on New Japan World. Uh, boom. So uh, moving on, let's do something a little bit different. Since this is I'm recording this on Tuesday, we normally pre we n- normally review. AEW Dynamite, which we are going to be recording after Dynamite goes off the air. So maybe you can a little more timely episode of the bulletcast, but let's just do it. Let's give a little preview to AEW Dynamite. We get uh, so all these things currently have been advertised. They are back in the Kia form in Los Angeles, California. Last time they were there was the night or show after double or nothing that is where mjf cut his you know shoot quote unquote promo on tony collins stormed off and then we didn't see him again until full gear um but we're back the jericho appreciation society is uh set to speak probably gonna gloat about ricky starks beating him up and you know action andretti uh i would assume maybe we get like a tag team match set up with andretti and ricky starks or uh you know ricky just clowns on all of them and anything like that we've been seeing a lot more you know talking segments in aew which you know i enjoy some of them can be a little more too sports entertainmenty you know kind of with the gun uh funeral segment with ftr last week and there's a lot more kind of just stand in the ring and talk for five to ten minutes which in WWE sometimes can get too much because they're just there for the sake of filling time aew kind of teeters on that point but so far hasn't gone there quite yet uh we got Hook and Jungle Boy taking on Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. Uh, so continuing the Hook-Jungle Boy tag team. Uh, you know, I could see this one going either way. Possibly, you know, the heels getting the win just for Hook and Jungle Boy to kind of make the comeback. But this is a, a landmark show, I would say. There's probably, is going to put a lot of emphasis on the show. Um, so I would assume Hook and Jungle Boy get the win. I do wonder what the end game is with Hook and Jungle Boy. Are they going to be kind of a fixture in that tag team division or is this going to just be a a dream tag team that for the moment they're just kind of being together and then they're going to go on their separate ways and who knows but you know the tag team division right now especially with the trios division kind of eating up some tag teams with the young bucks and death triangle and best friends and you know, some of the other people who would typically be in the uh, and even like what uh Oh my God, Malachi Black Stable. I am completely uh, blanking on what they're called. But, you know, that's a, another threesome that could be a tag team. House of Black. There we go. Good job, Brandon. You figured it out. Um, but, you know, it should be a really fun match. Uh, another really fun match is going to be Brian Danielson taking on Konosuke Tikeshta. Uh Takeshita tied for Bullet Cast Breakout Star League with Roxanne Perez. And this is on uh, Danielson's quest to beat everybody up until February 8th. Some sometime first you know first week of february something like that um so this is just you know once again danielson wrestling matches for the sake of wrestling matches this should be a really good one him and Takesha are gonna have a, a barn burner not gonna say a, another word that starts with the letter b uh but it uh, should be fun i expect danielson to win and possibly mjf either gets involved in the finish or they have another kind of promo back and forth so uh, this one should be really good then jimmy hater and Britt baker take on soraya and tony storm in a tag team match a lot of speculation on uh, Mercedes Monet possibly filling in for Tony Storm. If Tony were to get laid out by uh, possibly Hikaru Shita turning heel. I I don't know. I they definitely left that door open. And I think if you're not gonna have Mercedes on the show, you don't leave that door open. So I I don't know. I mean, we've seen AEW kind of lead fans in a direction and then kind of, you know, pull the rug out from under them. So I would say Mercedes is going to be there just because it was a really weird segment, like Soraya sitting there with both Tony and Hikaru Shida, and then just outright kind of disrespecting Shida, just like turning her back on her and just putting over Tony. So I just don't know why you would do that. And that's like, you can do it so many different ways of like Soraya, you know, going, to Tony's, you know, maybe going to like Tony's locker room or going, you know, talking to each wrestler individually and maybe kind of making Serena more of the sympathetic, not sympathetic figure, but kind of, you know, lessening the blow on not picking Sheeta. Just the way they did it kind of was weird. So I wonder if that's the way they're going. And as we see, a lot of people are talking themselves into, oh, this means Sheeta's going to lay out store and that's going to bring back uh, Mercedes because, you know, she lives in Hollywood or something like that. But um, if it's not, if that doesn't happen, some people are going to be mad. But uh, John Moxley is set to take on Hangman Adam Page. If he clears his concussion protocol, I would assume he does. It was kind of weird where they did the promo last week where Hangman was said, oh, if I clear this test tomorrow, I'm going to be able to wrestle. But then just later on the show, they didn't even acknowledge that. They're like, oh, next week, John Moxley and Adam Page are going to wrestle. Bam, that's a done deal. Don't even have to worry about it. So. Uh, who knows? Uh, Moxley Page, two of the bigger stars they have, should be a really fun match. I don't know what the finish would be. Maybe Page gets the win, and they kind of built him up to possibly go up against MJF. I don't know, but uh, should be should be a fun match and possibly an angle afterwards to kind of set them up. Because I, I mean, are you really going to have Moxley and Page continue this feud for a couple months and possibly get into Revolution? I don't know, but. We uh, shall see. Then finally, match seven. uh, Tudanguila de la Muerte taking on the elite. Match seven for the trios championship in a Escalada de la Muerte match. Eh, I mean, it's LA. Young Bucks home. I would assume just the elite get the win and they're trios champions and possibly they go on to do whatever they're supposed to do after initially winning the titles after uh, full gear. So that's what I'm expecting. Um, Ladder match somewhat different than all the other matches. You know, we've had a lot of hardcore, a lot of, you know, just brawls types. Um, So maybe this one is going to be kind of crazier, just because there's going to be a lot more ladder spots, but uh, very similar to kind of the last three or four matches we've seen, which, you know, all the matches have been good, like really good, like really athletic, really high intensity, some drama involved, but also it's kind of run its course, I think, at this point. Um, a, A trio's... Best of seven matches kind of a bit much. You know, a singles best of seven, I think you have a little more leeway can you know do some different things just because there's less people involved. But uh, so some people out there might be calling this the best match, you know, uh seven series match ever. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, kind of going back. Uh I've been doing some some stuff with the uh Monday Night War, Chris Benoit, Booker T. That was a fantastic best seven series and you know, there's been some other ones uh, back in the day, but I don't know. I think you go either which way, but I think the elite are going to get the win. And finally we can go on and do whatever we're going to, whatever, whatever we're going to do with the trios titles. I would hope that just because the elite have the trios titles, that doesn't lock them down into the trios division. I would still love to see the young bucks do some stuff, in the tag team division and Kenny do some things in the singles division. Now, maybe the elite are at this point that they just want to hang out with their buddies, have matches with them and hang out with each other. I mean, cool. Good for them for having that type of power that they can just do that. But as a fan, I kind of wish they were kind of separated and they can do their own thing. Just like saying back at the Wrestle Kingdom stuff, like you saw what Kenny could do as a singles guy. I would much rather see that Kenny Omega in AEW than Kenny with the Young Bucks just having, you know, 15 minute spotty matches in trios title that I would want to see, you know, the cleaner, the best bout machine, the top guy, Kenny Omega face off against an MJF or face off against Hangman page again, or, you know, something of that nature. I just think having three of your top guys in the trios division is kind of a waste of their talents. And all three of them are getting up there in age. They've had a lot of bumps on their bump card. I don't know how much longer you can get out of them and putting them here in the trios division on the back end of the prime. I don't know if that's the best use of them, but we'll stay tuned to find out to see what happens on Dynamite tomorrow. So uh, that is it. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Uh, I don't know when the next episode will be of Under the Radar. Just making, just going to check. Well, I could check the email, but it's been so long. I don't even have the access to my email right now because I have to sign in. It'd be a whole thing. But if you want to send an email that I may never check in the world ever, utrmailbag at gmo.com, or you send in, if you want to send in a question to the, proper bullet cast bullet cast two and the number two suite at gmail.com oh thank you guys i'll be back in a couple days for the regular edition of the bullet cast i'll be there katie will be there philip will be there can't say the same about brian but you never know maybe he'll show up but until next time goodbye good night uh bye <laughs>